Between You and Me, the podcast for fabulous but possibly frazzled women who want to take charge of their lives. Co-hosted by Galway journalist and NLP coach Maria McHale and Dublin journalist and the midlife coach Alana Kirk. Because let's face it, between you and me, we'd all love to be able to press pause once in a while. Hi and welcome to another Between You and Me podcast. This is actually the end of season one. We've had a lovely run since the beginning of January and uh, we're taking a break for the summer. So this podcast is all going to be uh, a summary of season one. So Maria, what would be your top hits of of the season? Oh, wow. That's a big question. I actually think I've actually loved that we've basically gone on a journey which mirrors our own journeys, really, and that we we've talked about things that really matter to us. So for me, probably um, the I suppose episode six of what to do when it all goes to shit, because I do remember <laughs> thinking I would love to have had this podcast when it was all going shit for me. And I think both of us, because we are recovering perfectionists, the fact that when our lives went to shit, it was hugely traumatic. <laughs> I know, yeah. And, and I think just that acknowledging that and, uh, you know, sharing the wisdom that we've learned, you know, that for me, you know, that you can't control when you can't control anything. So trying to control anything is just a recipe for disaster, which is what I did try to do for it large parts of my life desperately tried to control things that I had no control over so yeah I think episode six is one of my favorites and also because I live and breathe it um the whole uh, the episode on gratitude I can't remember what one what number it was episode was. four episode yeah. four yeah yes I was very grateful for that one as well yeah <laughs> Yeah, we've covered a lot of topics. We've in season one, we've done obviously sleep because I think that was one of our nearly our early ones. Oh, yeah, so many women. Um, yeah, but also the whole idea of embracing adolescence and the fact that this um, is a really exciting time of life. Although, just like adolescence, it also can be hugely confusing, and yeah. the hormones are kicking in and kicking out and, and causing havoc with our lives. Um, and we're also having to learn how to drink alcohol again. So, you know, adolescence <laughs> is very similar to adolescence. And we did people pleasing, which again is something we're all very, very, yeah. And actually the thing about adolescence that I loved, you know, um, I think there's something about turning 40 for women. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't think it's a midlife crisis as such, but I do think we get to the point of going for God's sake. <laughs> and we, you know, we just kind of go, do you know what? All this stuff that I've been doing, I just don't really agree with half of it and I can't be bothered and I'm too tired and I don't care anymore. And so that was definitely just embracing. I think it's the beginning though, isn't it? I think 40 to 50 is such an interesting decade. And I mean, obviously it can be a little bit before, a little bit after, but Mm -hmm. on the whole, because we start to have these feelings, but they're so contrary to what we've been conditioned, which we've spent our 20s and 30s trying to fit the mold, trying to tick all the boxes, try to be the good girl. And we get to 40 and that little voice in the back of our heads was just sort of saying to us, really? Is this, is this what you're really <laughs> supposed to do? Really? Um, and it, but it, it can then lead to quite a lot of little bit of confusion and a little bit of dispiriting for times sometimes because, yeah. and then also a bit of rebellion. And, and there's sort of a glorious period of that 10 years where you kind of start to nearly start standing on your own two feet in a very different way, certainly mentally. I mean, I think one of the favorite ones I had was in that learning to be comfortable with discomfort 
because mm. I think we spend a lot of time early on in our lives trying to chase the happiness phase um, because we believe that we have to quell all sort of pain and discomfort. Um, yeah. That we're somehow a failure if we're not just feeling completely brilliant all of the time. Where in actual fact, I think you get to the point, and it could well be total exhaustion or just I don't give a fuckery anymore. But somewhere around between 40 and 50, you suddenly realize that, oh, actually life is about becoming comfortable with discomfort um, and that it's a, a part of life. And, and once you realize that, it actually allows you, it takes a lot of the pressure off because you think, okay, I, I'm actually just going to feel a bit meh today. I have my meh days and, you know, they don't, I'm not bad or sad, but they're just days where I don't actually shine on full volume. And I think that bit of learning to get comfortable with discomfort for me was even just understanding, yeah, that it was okay not to be totally fabulous as well every day yeah that I didn't have to be all singing all dancing and that it was okay and I didn't have to berate myself for not being 150% amazing every day but it was okay yeah or the fact that um we are fabulous whether we are on or off and it's funny because uh, just for for our, our our lovely listeners we've actually met in person for the first time yeah. in four months again. We've been doing yeah. a podcast by Zoom, but I took the train down from Dublin to go away last week and it was very exciting. And we oh, didn't yeah. stop talking for 24 hours. We should have just recorded it. We'd have had three <laughs> years worth of podcasts. But, um, but one, and we, you and I had that discussion about our dimmer switch and the fact yes. that you know, we, we kind of spend a lot of the first part of our lives sort of trying to reach that high of the bright lights of our personality. And then we realize, that, oh, actually we, we, we live on a spectrum of dimmer and there's some days it's okay to come in and say, I'm just turning the dimmer switch down a little bit and I'm going to work at this power today. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or it doesn't wrong with me. This is just where my energy level is today. And it's a really nice space to be. It's like putting on a pair of comfy slippers. It is. And, and I know you're going to talk about intention, but I also mentioned to you just when I came on the podcast, it's also just allowing yourself to be whatever that is, you know, and today I was saying I quickly had a, I had a coaching call today and just beforehand I, it was sunny. So I was like, I'm going out for a quick walk beforehand. And I just had this lovely feeling of joy. And I was saying to Alana, I actually felt like I could skip down the road. And then I thought, maybe I shouldn't. Then I thought, oh, but you, you should, know, you should. I should have. I was, there was a bit of me going, you know, that growing old disgracefully, even though I'm not that old, of course, you know, but um, that feeling of just joy, just, yeah. just nothing was happening. It was sunny. I was going out for, and it was lovely and just embracing and allowing yourself to just have these moments, whatever they are, that they're any particular mood is okay. And, you know, it doesn't have yeah, to link. I think, um, is it Tim Robbins who said, you know, if you can't find 10 minutes in your fucking day uh, for yourself you, you, in your life, then your life stinks, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't want to, we're going to actually, I'm just going to, we're going to maybe just summarize some of the sort of top thoughts that we've sort of explored in this series um, of Between You and Me. But, um, you know, a big one and part of the thing that we have talked about in nearly every um, podcast episode is this idea of really just really giving yourself the permission to invest in yourself. And even if that is five or 10 minutes a day. And for me, that is my dog walk in the morning. Or it could be just like you say, as soon as the sun comes out, I'll run outside with a book or mm. or something fun or dancing in the kitchen or something nice. Or it could just be acknowledging, you know what? I'm just going to close my eyes for 40 weeks. Yeah. And I think my biggest thing is because I'm very full on and I do enjoy my job and I try and enjoy my life, like literally most minutes of it, you know, as much as I can in between all the chaos, um, is that I... 
I'm very much like I'm, you know, full cup, empty cup. I'm either jumping around like crazy, full of beans, or I've kind of not given myself enough self-care so that I'm like by Friday on my, having loved it all, but still empty. Like the, the tank is empty and I need to regroup. And even just recently, just learning that actually, um, it's not the best method of self-care because then I'm like almost get to the weekend and I'm like, Oh, I can't deal with anything else. And, and just acknowledging that maybe just adding in a bit more self-care every day means that I wouldn't get to Friday on my knees and that actually I can still enjoy every day to the max, but I also have a little bit of extra time. And I think giving ourselves time, you know, it's almost that kind of thing of particularly for women, we're always so busy looking after everyone else that somehow it's selfish to take time for ourselves. But well, you know. I have diaried in some joy time tomorrow because I'm getting my hair done for the first time. Oh my God. <laughs> so Actually. excited. Oh, and I'm getting mine done on Wednesday, Alana. Perfect hair. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's that embracing the joy, doing all the things. And I mean, even like our, us meeting up, you know, we hadn't seen each other since, gosh, was it the beginning of March or something? Yeah. And um, And again, just taking the time, just saying we can do it. Let's just go for it. And Again, would have been so easy to talk ourselves out of why we shouldn't, couldn't, or, you know, there was always you know, the kids or life or work. And we just went for it. And it was, as you, you know. We actually went for dinner. Not. We also went to an oldie oldie shop and we pottered. I do love yeah. a potter. <laughs> it was lovely. And especially, yeah. though, I feel sometimes life is so busy. It's good to throw yeah. a potter in there. Yeah, but exactly. then. So, yeah, what I was going to ask you was, I suppose, we maybe pick out our sort of top three or four we'll maybe do two each our sort of best sort of thoughts or ideas mm. that we've covered in the pod in this season so what would be your sort of number one thing that gets you through the day well my big thing that I have learned over the years is to ask myself regularly does this serve me no <laughs> it's I, the best question. I can tell you I'm sick of serving myself <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love people to come and serve me, but it's a. I love this question again. A coach told you know someone who coached me years ago. You know, again, at the time I didn't have the awareness probably to understand. That he was actually saying, "Does all this stuff you're doing serve you?" Um, but I, it, as I've got more awareness and acceptance of different things. I love this question, and I, I do ask myself at least once a day, if not more. You know. Is there, do I need to do this thing? Will someone die if I say no to that? Will something happen if I just, as you say, take 40 winks instead of, you know, going for a run or running around the block or driving a child somewhere? Or does a, good, a good one as part of that does this serve me is whose expectation am I trying to match here? Is it yes. mine or is it some fictional fashion police stroke, you know, worky police? For, who's out there telling me to behave like this? Yeah. And I think we have, you know, we have these invisible forces where we kind of allow ourselves sometimes to be kind of, you know, forced into certain behaviors. And when I say forced it, we're, we're, there are subconscious things, but, you know, we should be doing this. And I hate that word, um, you know, or I have to, another word I hate. And just by saying, does this serve me? Does it serve me to be this busy? Does it serve me to be in these relationships? Does it serve me to devote my time to X or Y or whatever it is? And, and just asking that question, sometimes you kind of go, do you know what? not really suitable right now. Mm. No, I don't have to do this. No, I don't actually feel like it. Yeah. 
And um, so that is definitely something that, you know, all the way through, I think just taking control, even though I spent a long time trying to control things, but taking good control of our our days and our minds and and saying, you know, doing what suits us rather than what we feel we should do or what other expectations people might have of us um, and saying no. Good. I love it. So I think my sort of number one would be, and it's not dissimilar to the idea of the control thing, because what I have really learned, the biggest thing that I've learned over the last few years is understanding that there's a massive difference in being in control of your life and being in control of everything in your life. And I think that's the biggest challenge. So we spend an awful lot of energy trying to control stuff that actually is out of our control. Um, And actually what we should focus our attention on is about the only thing that we can't control, which is our own thoughts and reactions. And and, uh, so my number one would be um, learning over the last years how to respond versus react. So when we are on autopilot or we are driven very much by our emotions and we're not putting any sort of thought into it, or we're living by other people's expectations or being run by perfectionism, we will always react. And we react without thinking. And when we react and and do things on autopilot, we're very much working off self-limiting beliefs, paradigms that we may not even have created ourselves or things that we've learned from cultural or education or parenting or peer experiences. I'm not sporty. I'm not good at this. I couldn't do that. Mm. I should be like this. I should be like that. Whereas learning to put a pause between a trigger and a response just creates a whole world for you to take control of that scenario. And when I talk about trigger, I don't mean uh, necessarily a bad trigger. Any situation, any conversation, any emotion you get, looking out the window and seeing a robin like I did this morning, um, to a, a, a sort of trigger as we sometimes believe it now, someone's made you upset or it's an email or whatever it might be, a pressure, anything. Taking a second to press pause and allowing your thought processes to come in rather than your reactions and your sort of automatic and survival instinct piece to come in. Because our bodies were devised as wonderful survival techniques. So whenever we're triggered by anything emotionally, our brain actually bypasses the, the rational piece and goes straight to the survival mode, which is often a very sort of kick, quick reaction not often the best we've all had that scenario all of us where we've reacted to something and afterwards going why the hell did I say that do that be that or whatever um so for me that's the bet that that's one of the most important things is learning to respond with real rational thought as opposed to reacting based on sort of emotional thoughts and it's so easy to get into that trap of emotionally reacting to everything. You know, I think we've both been there and, and again. And believing uh, that our emotions are true because our emotions are not necessarily true. They're, you know, they're, we can challenge how we're feeling and go, well, actually, am I, I know, am I just sort of, is it just a habit to rea- uh, react this way? Yeah. And I think a lot when I do a lot of NLP coaching, and I know when I did my own NLP coaching, you know, to understand that you might have that emotion, but you can change it. Um, you know, that whole idea of changing your state so that you might feel a bit, uh, but you can actually, as you even jumping around the kitchen, yep. some loud music or uh, going for a walk around the block can actually change how you feel and you don't have to feel a certain way. So it's some you know, how powerful we can be. Yeah. Yeah. That we really and that's the piece of control. You can't control what somebody else might have done or said, but you can absolutely control how you respond to it. So I have a little technique now because I raised 
you know, two teenage daughters. Well, I've got three daughters, but only two are teenagers. Yeah. And uh, as anybody know, and you'll know yourself, Rhea, is that, you know, they can be fairly triggering in the in the normal sense of the word. And, you know, not because they're bad people, but because they're, you know, they're not emotionally developed yet. Yeah. Uh, it's hard enough when you are emotionally developed dealing with adults, but, you know, dealing with teenagers who are literally only, literally only half-baked at this point. But, um, so I have this little technique now, and again, it's it's that pressing the pause in that if if one of my children you know does the usual teenage eye rolling or sneering or they're quite insulting they don't have empathy yet that doesn't kick in until you're about 23 so there's there's zero zero support for you as a person you know so they can be really cutting and cruel and annoying and and just generally pretty selfish so what I try to do now is whenever I feel that angry reaction because they've just sneered at me or something I immediately say replace it with love very quickly Yes. And I I have to remember that I love them. <laughs> I have to remember that I love them. And then it just, it doesn't change. It doesn't, I'm not making it false, but I am going, oh, actually remember the higher value here. Yeah. And the higher value is that actually they're probably just a bit wind up and a bit mm. irritated or, you know, our, our mothers are hugely irritating. I don't know anybody who's not irritated or has never been irritated by their mother. We are not perfect. So. We're, we're just people who in, are constantly trying to enforce rules at the same yeah. So, you know, yeah. their, their behavior is rational. So it's, again, but it just allows me to just create a, a, a more... Um, a more beneficial response that serves me to bring in your question as opposed yeah. to the reaction, which is natural, but it doesn't really serve me or my children. Yeah. And actually I have a little tip for anyone who is a parent of teenagers. Cause what, again, Thanks this again. is the key thing. <laughs> NetLP, I love NLP for again. It's all about just changing the way you think about things. So in ter- I mentioned there a minute ago about changing your state and that whole feeling like if you do live with teenagers, you'll understand where Alana and I are coming from like minute to minute. Oh. can be a mood changer or there can be, you know, absolute gorgeousness. And then two seconds later, you're standing in the middle of like grenades, bombs, explosions going, what happened? It was lovely here a minute ago. Um, and one of my methods for um, dealing with all this is, again, it's about changing my state. So, you know, both of my daughters, as I'm sure lots of teenage kids do, they have collages in their room. And I just go and look at the pictures of them and bring up that lovely feeling of unconditional love that we we have for our children. And again, you can just feel, even as I'm doing it, I'm just feeling like, oh, they're so cute and lovely. And it just helps us remember that we're guiding them, that we're helping them, that, you know, it's only a moment. And It's not personal. They're not, they're not doing this to us personally. And we love them and they're fabulous. And it's just, to, to me, it's just a very simple thing that I can do that all I have to do is walk upstairs and just look at some pictures of them. And I just feel this huge love and it just helps me remember that yeah it's fine move on walk away yeah. let it you shall pass and and it's one of my kind of survival methods for my in my own house anyway to stop anyone being murdered <laughs> so what'll be your second sort of highlight so my second highlight really is just about some again it's something that i think all of this podcast is stuff that has changed us. And one of my big things uh, is about self-compassion and being kind to ourselves, which I think we talked about a lot in the podcast, not being hard on ourselves, understanding who we are. It is a process. I hate the term journey because everyone uses it now. Like it's some kind of thing we go on and we get to an, a destination because there is no, there is no end to this. We're just moving along. We're trying to be the best humans we can be at any point in our lives. And so 
for me, having compassion and kindness for ourselves. Uh, again, something I had to learn. And how does I, that show up in your life? So how are you showing well, to yourself? It's a, a lot of it was I had, you know, this negative voice on my shoulder. So nothing was ever good enough. A lot of it was, you know, around when we were perfectionists, <laughs> now that we no longer are, um, you know, that feeling of it had to be perfect. I would berate myself, nag myself. Now I'm exactly the opposite. And I often talk about, you know, if you imagine a newborn baby, how it shows up in my life now is the visual of, you know, when a little baby is all kind of like, mm, and it's and mooching about the place and about to start crying. Burgling. We'll go over and you just stroke it on the on its back and it's like all soothed. And, and to me, that is my self-compassion, that I can soothe myself, that I can be kind to myself, that I can look after myself and that I don't need other things or to buy things or to, you know, feel good about things or whatever it is, or that other people need to do this for me, that I can soothe myself. So if I'm feeling stressed, I can soothe myself. If I'm feeling... With or without batteries, Maria. Yes, of course. (laughs) With or without. I can soothe myself in many ways and it actually just works a treat. And um <laughs> we're gonna get you blush. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm on a podcast going, okay, who's gonna be listening to this? Anyone I know. <laughs> you say the best to last. Yeah, <laughs> That'll be Maria's legacy. I'm trying to stop myself. <laughs> I don't just got I'm about to start a fit of giggles and I'm here trying. Uh, no, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, God, self-compassion. And I think, again, I, I sort of tell this little story of, of my daughter who's nine <laughs> last year when she was eight. She had long, long hair. She has it all cut off now. She hated her hair and it was always tied in a bun. It never, she's a triple crown, so her hair never sits properly. And um, one day she, uh, I caught her going as I walked into the bedroom and she was sort of punching her head, hitting herself in the head going, I hate you. I hate you. Oh no. And I just said, Oh my God, are you okay? You know, that's, that's, that's really harsh. And she went, just, it's my hair. I hate my hair. I said, okay, well, I didn't want to tell her that she'd be having bad hair days for the rest of her life. So that's just sort of a legacy that women have. But I said, but, and she had this really cute little friend. And I said, you know, what would you do if your friend, uh, I won't give her name out here, say it was Jane. Mm-hmm. What would you do if Jane was, her hair wasn't looking right or she was whatever. I mean, and, and would you hit her? And Ruby was like, God, of course not. No. And I said, what would you do to her? She said, I'd hug her and tell her I loved her. I said, so you have to do that to yourself. And you have to be your own best friend. And that's the way I see it now, that I have to, in moments of, you know, harshness, and the world can be harsh enough without ourselves being harsh, that I have to remember to try and be my own best friend. Would I speak to my best friend that I love the way that this voice sometimes in our head speaks to us? Yeah. So I think that's a really good thing of self-care because we have to put our own oxygen mask on first. And I, you know, there's a great quote, do you, when you're in the trenches, do you want an enemy or an ally? And, you know, we can be our own worst enemy, the way we talk to ourselves. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, no one who has self-criticized themselves constantly has ever, you know, been motivated into massive action or taking positive steps. It actually has the opposite effect on us and that we actually need to acknowledge and come to terms with, you know, that need for just compassion for ourselves and kindness for ourselves. And as you say, you know, it can start so young that we, we start berating ourselves for things. It's like, how do you know, how do we even know this stuff? But somehow we get this um, 
you know, this, this habit, which then grows and grows and that actually being self-compassionate is like having fresh oxygen in your brain every day and through your mind. So yeah, it's, it's my, my second kind of, if I had only could only take two things, you could only that. have two today. Yes. Um, so yeah. So my second one isn't isn't dissimilar. Doesn't link in in the sense that. So I think the biggest gift I give myself, and that I would, and when I coach women, is to try and get them to understand that they have control of this. Is this idea of living as intentionally as possible, mm. and uh, you know. It is very easy to switch on autopilot. Uh, we've all done it. We all do it. But this, the idea of waking up and before you sort of just begin the day in the usual habits and, and just sort of running into the day and being run down for the day as opposed to running it, it's about deciding how do I want today to feel, how do I want the day to look, and then you create the day around that feeling. And it's about and you know we talk about intentionally people who are maybe initially start off mindfulness, they learn how to eat a, a raisin. I never know why they chose a raisin to do this. But anyone who's ever sort of done a kind of meditation or course, a mindfulness course, they have to eat a bloody raisin and you know take about five minutes to do it and then think about it. But it is that idea of eating intentionally, drinking mm-hmm. intentionally, thinking intentionally, moving intentionally, and not doing everything on autopilot without thinking. I Years and years and years ago when I used to smoke, uh, and then you can do it now with with a bag of chocolates or biscuits. You sort of get to the end and go, "Gosh, I don't remember eating half of those, or smoking half of those, or drinking half of that bottle of wine." Who else has gone to the fridge and you go, "What is it? The glass of bottle of wine's empty. I don't remember drinking all of that." So it's about really being intentional, and it's absolutely not about sitting there only focusing on that cup of tea or that glass of wine or that keeping you tea. Yeah. But it is about deciding how do I want this day to feel? Do I want it to be mad busy where I have no control of everything? Or do I want to make sure that I connect with people, connect with myself? Um, and that idea of, and part of that intentionality then is really, really focusing on where I put my energy. Do I put my energy? I mean, I've talked about this before when my marriage ended and it was a very difficult time. My husband came out as gay and it was very difficult. Anybody who's dismantled a marriage um, can understand how difficult it is. You're, we're all, a lot of us are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And I, it took me a couple of years to understand that I was sick and I was tired all the time because I was still spending a lot of my energy focused on picking the scab. I was not focusing my energy on nourishing the skin underneath the scab. Yeah. And where we focus our energy, and I mean, there's so much, this is not airy-fairy. All, you know, a lot of research just shows that the power of the mind, the power of intent, the power of energy, where you focus your energy is where you will be. If you focus on negative, you're going to feel negative. If you focus on the positive, you're going to feel positive. So it's that whole idea of where do I invest myself and it's not just in the positive negative psychology mode, but it's also in, in my day. Do I choose to invest all of my time in work and then wonder why I don't have good relationships? Mm-hmm. Do I intend, you know, or, or do I invest all my energy on, on, you know, Netflix and then wonder why I haven't got the book written? So yeah. a lot of it is about really being very, very intentional about where we invest our energy. Yeah. And I think it's that thing as well, you know, the, the whole idea of intention, all the things we've chosen here, it's all about putting yourself first, really, and understanding that without you being okay, you know, operating well, eating well, sleeping well, uh, taking good care of yourself, that none of the other things, the relationships, the work and everything else will actually work well for you, you know, that you can't do all those things and 
keep it all together and be perfect. Yeah. And sometimes you have to make decisions. And I mean, that is, that's not to say that by living intentionally, suddenly everything is, is gorgeous. Actually, in, in, in often facts, you've got to make quite big compromises and decisions because you've got to say, actually, do you know what? In this particular day, there's only so much I can do. There's only a, there's only one source of energy, and I have it. So I can put 15 things in my to-do list, but I might only, I'm actually going to score 10 of them out and just do five because I also want to be intentional with my kids at dinner time. And I also want to be able to get an hour to walk a dog. And it's about understanding that, of course, you can do a thousand things, but it might only serve you well to do 100 today. I think that I think we talked about this in the podcast because then you need boundaries, something that I, again, I'm still learning about, you know, because, again, it's nice to do things for people. Yeah. It's nice, I've, you know, we, we misguidedly think, you know, that by being kind, we, we're helping other people. But again, um, all that intention is no good without, you know, if you haven't got good boundaries in place and you're not looking after your own needs. Or you're resentful. Yeah, and basically saying it's this does suit me or it doesn't suit me. <laughs> Which is a lovely segue into our sort of our big news at the end of season one of Between You yes. and Me is that um, Maria will be stepping down as co-host for season two. She will be coming on as a guest and I'm going to talk about season two in a minute. But Maria, why don't you explain why you've made this decision? Yeah, well, I suppose uh, bearing in mind we've talked about um, what serves us and uh, how we... Uh, concentrate our energy on what we need um one of the joys of doing this whole podcast was sharing the kind of first season and all the lessons that Alana and I have in common and things that we've learned and um one of the big things for me is that I have also got another business where I help um business owners uh, and coach them to get noticed and I'm really concentrating my energy on that for the next few months. And so, yeah, I've had Especially to say... the impact of COVID and the fact that yeah. similar businesses are going to need your support. Yeah, and so it's, I've had to say, does it serve me to continue doing one particular thing? And um, yeah, I've just... So I will be slightly stepping aside, having done season one and uh, shared this fabulous journey with Alana. And as you can tell, we've never had any... Um, danger of running out of anything to talk about which has been lovely well it's been a joy and you're not going anywhere because you're just going to spend your energy focusing on one I mean and it's funny I made some similar um, decisions in my own life recently where I realized I was trying to do three big projects at once and I wasn't necessarily giving none of my energy properly to all any of them so I had to make a quite stressful decision to step back a little bit on one I'm coming back to it in September but to focus on finishing my book and do different things. And so sometimes it's just about saying, there's only so much of me. So I'm going to actually invest my energy in this space. And then when that's done, I'll do this. So you're just deciding that for your mental health, mental wealth, and all of that stuff that you need to focus on the, the business that is, you know, that, that yeah, and it's great. Right and now. you know, I suppose it's the thing as well of just, um, you know, focusing on our passions. And while this has been a huge passion project for me, um, I'm now going to be switching my focus Don't over want to, to juggle too much. Yeah, getting um, business, you know, getting noticed in your business and what that means, you know, for you personally. And I suppose this is a lot of this stuff that we've talked about is what we coach and whether you're, you know, a lot of my coaching is with business owners. Um, So it's been, my biggest passion has been actually just sharing little lessons that I often say, oh, I wish I'd known that. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and uh, so if any of the podcasts have, you know, even triggered one little kind of like light bulb moment for people, I think we'll have done our job and I feel like it's, it's a lovely body of work for season one. 
Exactly. Um, and I mean, I'm definitely going to have you on at season two because how season two is going to work between you and me, and I'm going to be launching again in the autumn, is that it's still going to be me, but yeah. I'm going to be um, co-hosting with a guest every week, every episode. So I'm going to cover everything from women in finance. So we're going to look at how women manage our finances. I'm going to be looking at our sex lives. I'm going to be looking at beauty, menopause, um, women in sport or how we get fit again. And But also how women in business, because actually, um, and if you come on as, as the guest for that, Maria, because I think uh, women, and especially women in mid-age, are the biggest cohort of new business owners Yes, that there are. And a lot of women do it because they try to juggle business with their family or, or other things. Mm-hmm. And it's a great space for women now, especially because we do have these sort of opportunities and independence that we didn't have before. Um, mm-hmm. And getting noticed in a big world like that is is often a part of the package that we don't necessarily have the skill set for. Yeah. And I think a lot of the topics that we talked about in this first season have, have all been uh, issues that are raised in my work with business owners, because one of the big things about getting noticed is you have to show up. You are the face of your business. And actually showing up is something that whether you're a business owner or not, is actually quite hard for a lot of us because showing up means you have to really have like a strong belief in who you are, what you stand for, what your values are, what you believe in. And for a lot of us, it's scary going, this is me. In the words of the song. Actually, a lot of people think showing up is the same as showing off. And it's very, very different. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's the biggest problem uh, for people who want to show up. They think that yeah. they're drawing attention to themselves and showing yeah. off and it creates yeah. a massive resistance. So yeah, a lot of the coaching and, and even the yeah. had are very, very similar. So yeah, I'm not really changing so much as just concentrating my energies on, on uh, my business owner clients. You're walking the talk because you're making decisions yeah. about where best to spend your energy. But I mean, even a lot of the women that I work with and coach, a lot of it is about getting them to show up in their lives in a way that... It lets them feel permission to do so. But again, a lot of them are just terribly afraid of this. I don't know who this non-existent society voice is that, you know, oh, you see her over there. She's got notions. She's got notions on her because she's, you know, daring to do something for herself or she's daring to follow a passion project or she's daring to to stand up and go, actually, I'm not going to put up with this bullshit and I'm actually going to create a better way of living my life. So that showing up piece is so important in our own lives. I think we may have touched on this a bit in a pre, I can't remember now if it was one of the early podcasts, but one, a lot, for, certainly if you're listening to this in Ireland, you know, culturally, there's a little thread that has run through our all our childhood lives. And it was, don't make a show of yourself. For God's sake, don't make a show of yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually what that translates into when we're older is, you know, I can't draw attention to myself because yeah. it's embarrassing. I'd be making a show of myself. And, and it's where then we, feel like we can't show up in all our glory. And it's like, that would be a huge passion of mine, helping people do that. And I think that's, again, the whole thing of what we've talked about, serving ourselves, living intentionally, um, being kind to ourselves, that just being okay with that we are enough just as who we are. If that's probably the, the, the nice way to end our, you know, that between you and me, that's all you need to be, to be just okay with who you are, flaws and all. And the way I sell it to myself sometimes is to go, okay, this isn't just about me. This is about how I want to role model as a woman today for my girls. And I don't mean just my girls, but all girls, because I think we are this sort of redefining generation of women that have opportunities and and an extra 20 years of life that just didn't happen before. 
Yeah. So I want to make sure that I can role model a life that my girls see as possible for them. That is not just about work, 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 or do it all, do it all, do it all. But actually a lot of that involves, well, putting myself at the table and, you know, resting when I need to rest and mm-hmm. self-love and self-care and all of those things. So I look at it in that little way that whenever I feel, oh God, people will think I've got notions that I go, no, I want to role model the kind of life that I would want my girls to feel comfortable having where they can stand up for themselves. They can have what they want. They can chase what they want to chase and also invest in themselves as people. And love themselves. Cause I think it's, it's you know, it's a good thing to remember that compassion is not about feeling pity. It's about feeling love. So having compassion for ourselves and loving ourselves, however we are and whatever flaws we have and however we look. And, you know, again, it's a, a work of a massive work for a lot of women to just love themselves exactly as they are. I know I've definitely had these, those moments and just remember, yeah, that we're enough, that yeah. we are enough and that's all we need. And, um, Easier said than done, but not. It's a nice way to end. So self-love and self-compassion. And I've loved, loved, loved having the chats with you <laughs> on this podcast. And um, and I really look forward to season two with lots of other really fabulous. So do I. Yes. Talk about. And uh, in the meantime, to everybody, uh, between you and me and between us, yes. this has been um, helpful. I hope it's given you some food for thought and a space for you guys to think about making sure that you create a space in your own life uh, for yourselves and enjoy the rest of summer and we'll see you back in season two. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.